The Alabama Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos created for in vitro fertilization are children. The immediate result is to stop IVF in Alabama and put Republicans who work to overturn Roe versus Wade on the defensive. What are the broader implications of this ruling? And what does it mean to be pro-life but anti-IVF? Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare, business, and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the president of Walgreens Health. Join the ever-growing Care Talk community on LinkedIn, where you can dig deep into healthcare business and policy topics, access Care Talk content, and interact with the hosts. You don't have to be a born person in order to join, but you do have to have a LinkedIn account. And please be sure to leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify while you're at it. David, 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 making fun of this really important ruling. Well, let's maybe step back and say, what, what is IVF and why why has this got everyone from mothers to Republican leaders and Democratic scolds all active? But let's step back. What is IVF? So, John, uh, IVF is in vitro fertilization, and it's a so-called uh, you know test tube babies, uh, where the embryo is created outside of the womb by bringing a sperm and an egg together. Uh, nurturing it, and then being able to implant it uh, for a regular pregnancy. That's in vitro fertilization. So the in vitro is sort of in glass. And then that's where fertilization occurs, and then is carried to term in the in the normal way. And it's it's a pretty complicated, for, for a lot of uh, families, uh, hu- husbands and wives, the people who want to be parents, it has been a game changer because it has allowed... Um, patients who are going through like cancer therapy where they can become infertile to actually be able to preserve their ability to have kids. It's uh, created as particularly as, as, as parents have tip, are more typically getting older. The ability to have kids is becoming more challenged. It just allowed them to kind of freeze their healthier eggs earlier uh, and potentially if they're having a hard time getting pregnant, be more targeted and thoughtful by going through hormonal treatments to make those less fertile uh, parents more fertile. So it's really been a game changer across everything from cancer patients to older parents to others who have a really hard time having kids in the first place. And, you know, I think 2% out of all births in in the United States are uh, IVF, but 70% 70% of even the Republicans are in favor of supporting IVF. So so once we've established, okay, this is a really, this is an elemental part now of the way many parents preserve the ability to have kids or have kids, what's up with this Alabama ruling? Yeah. John, you're right. There is, I'll answer the Alabama question, and then we can go back maybe to some of these broader topics. So what happened here is that there is, as a part of the uh, anti-abortion movement and the, and the determination to try to overturn Roe versus Wade, is the concept that uh, you know life begins at conception, and therefore uh, you can't destroy a life in the womb because it's already been conceived. And then, ex- then that what's happened in some states, including Alabama, is that concept has been extended to say not just you know does life begin, but that a person you know that a fetus is the same as a person. So the sort of fetal personhood movement is what's happened. Now, 
there, what happened in Alabama is that uh, some couples sued a hospital because they had frozen embryos there that were destroyed. And the, originally, this case was actually was thrown out. But then the judges actually said, well, there's a statute that says that you're allowed to sue for wrongful death of a child. And that applies to an unborn child as well. And that there's no exception for what they called extra uterine children, meaning a fetus that is, you know, still in vitro is not actually implanted. And that still counts as a child, an embryo, just as much as uh, just as much as a fetus in the womb and just as much as a, as a person uh, walking the earth. So that's how it kind of started. And that's only possible because of Roe versus Wade, because before Roe versus Wade was overturned, you would have said, well, Alabama may say that, you know, a fetus is a child, but that's not the case. Uh, but the Dobbs decision, which is the Supreme Court decision that that sort of overturned Roe v. Wade and really undermined the universal access um, that was embedded in the, the Supreme Court's decision around privacy. And uh, we, once that was overturned, there's a number of pieces of argument in that uh, decision, which was a majority decision of the Supreme Court, um, a lot, which is, which permits the st states now to regulate um, uh, abortion and um, in a much more, in, in, as, in, as restrictive a way as they'd like. It's sort of almost presented this, but it's, it's so it's a it's a um, it's really a substantial reversal of where society has been for honestly the last thirty years. Yeah, well, John, I think what's happened is you you can understand. I can see the logic where if you consider, okay, you shouldn't harm a child, and then if you consider that you shouldn't harm a fetus, and then if well, then if that means a fetus is a child, and if a fetus is a child, then an embryo is a child. So why would life begin? you know, any later than that, why would it begin with the implantation? So that's a, that's a logic if you take it from that way. If you look at it from the other side, you know, the newspapers started to interview people that have been affected by this directly, because one thing that's happened is IVF has stopped, right? And I'll, I'll mention a person's name only because I think it's, it's worth mentioning that there's, you know, like specifics there. So one person quoted in the paper is somebody named Megan Ligurski. She was pregnant after being implanted with an embryo that was created through IVF, but then she had a miscarriage. So she and her partner have three more frozen embryos, which they'd like to, you know, to try to be, to get pregnant with. And she said, we have three frozen embryos. We don't have three children, right? Nobody thinks that she has a child in the sense of raising them, sending them to school, et cetera. And I think that's where, that's where you have this tremendous clash. So on the one hand, you can say, okay, well, if a fetus is a person, which people have started to understand, then I can go all the way back. But if you say, well, what is a child? The essence of a child you know, it's not that it's an embryo. Well, I think I think this goes back to look, look. There are there are very different religious beliefs regarding when life begins. The Catholic Church has been very consistent, for example, in criticizing even the idea of the an IVF uh, birth uh, being permitted. Uh, most Protestant Christian religions actually are supportive of it, and the majority vast majority of evangelicals who are pre predominantly anti-abortion in general are supporters of IVF. So you have, an, you have a real range of opinions that are passionately held. And then, of course, you've got the rest of society where the majority of even, you know, before you get into the details of Republicans and Democrats support some elemental rights of women to choose uh, to have control over their body and, and birth. Um, 
they, they differ on obviously based on the politics of what, of what, of what, of what, of, what, of how, how, how broad that flexibility or control is. But, uh, you know, the Dobbs decision was, uh, does not reflect the majority opinion of most Americans, not even most Republicans. And now, but, but embedded in that is this notion that uh, a fetus is a unique, is a genetically unique person that has the rights and privileges of someone who's actually um, alive and kicking. Um, and it's, uh, it, it becomes, it becomes maybe, maybe we delve into why that's so problematic um, from an IVF perspective. Cause I think that's really important that people understand the details here. You know, a lot of folks who are, um, I mean, it's, it's be- because of the potential um, for the, the providers of IVF therapy in Alabama to be prosecuted uh, for murder effectively, uh, they have stopped actually providing those services. Um, the clock's ticking for a number of people who are trying to get pregnant and trying to preserve their ability to get pregnant. So that's a problem in the state for women who and parents who want to be parents in the state. The other thing is that this case surrounds the notion of destroyed embryos. You know, and and the reality is that. Most of the, uh, the the process for people making healthy fertilized eggs is actually kind of complicated. So you often have a number of uh, embryos that are either have severe genetic abnormalities and challenges, or they 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 don't survive. Uh, and and now that you're referring to an embryo as a person, h- how does one think about that? Does that mean you have to shoot for one embryo at a time? Um, anytime there is, you know, hormonal treatment for women and the extraction of the fertilized egg, there's surgical risks there. So we've basically, inc- if we, st- if this ruling holds, re- considerably increased the risk, the medical risk for the women. Um, we've reduced the number of shots on goal, if you will, because you don't shoot for as many eggs if you think that some of them might be destroyed. And you now go into the, um, the difficult area. Of what you do, what of what happens to those eggs, which you know one can actually now test for severe, um, in, in in some cases lethal genetic abnormalities. Is that a person? Is that I mean, you get into really yeah. It's harder for the moms. It's it's more problematic in terms of their health, and you also get into other sort of thorny ethical questions, which is I think why the majority of Americans have pretty consistently said within within certain limits. This needs to be up to uh, the decision of the, of the parents, but it's a so it's it's a it's a really problematic area, um, and yet there is currently a you know Speaker Johnson, our remarkably conservative Speaker of the House of Representatives, is actually one of the co-sponsors of a bill that would embed this as part of federal law for the country. So I, I think we're kind of hurtling towards. Sort of some radical legal changes that could be could be really problematic, particularly for parenting for young parents who are having challenges. Well, John, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of complexity here. Uh, so the the to be fair, the court decision didn't literally outlaw IVF, but it said an embryo is a person, right? And therefore, you can't you can't destroy it uh, or hurt it in, in some manner. So you're pointing out the best practice for IVF is to have multiple embryos. Um, because one is not viable and so on and so forth. And so it really would completely change IVF and change the risk uh, profile, the cost, which is already high and so on. 
Um, where this becomes the other complexity is actually on the political side and what it means. So just to underline, uh, you know, what you were saying, um, you know, if, if you look at the uh, current leader of the Republican Party, you know, everyone's sort of fallen in line behind him and on things like, you know, foreign policy, where instead of saying Russia is the enemy, it turns out, you know, Russia is the ally and people have made a big switch there. This is a little different. Uh, so, you know, Vice President Pence, for example, was well known for following along with whatever his boss said, which which is the case, you know, typically you see with vice presidents. Well, he and his wife, Karen Pence, did IVF multiple times. So are they suddenly going to fall behind a group that, you know, that 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 is that is against it? So at the same time that you've got um, candidates, including the front runner in the Republican Party saying, you know, no, no, we favor IVF. Although they're also saying, you know, of course, Roe versus Wade were against and actually, you know, managed to get rid of it, unlike others. And then you've got the this person in second place saying, you know, well, embryos are people, but, you know, she supports IVF or maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. You've got in the no, Senate. No, the, the 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 candidates for presidency on the Republican side are really really waffling because they they've come out and said you know we're very in favor of IVF and they're also in favor of the ruling that makes the IVF providers in the state of Alabama. That's why they've stopped. I mean, like so it's it's you can be for it in general, but but not in a way that, that perhaps the providers can actually provide the service. Yeah, that makes it hard. So in the so you mentioned what's going on in the House. In the Senate, Senator uh, Tammy Duckworth, who has used IVF herself, introduced a bill to protect IVF, uh, but she says sort of tellingly that uh, no Republicans have contacted her to sign on to it. And so that where one reason why this will stay in the news for a while is, is because it does continue uh, the narrative, which I would say is hard to refute, that you know overturning uh, Roe with the, with the Dobbs decision is not just a, a very specific thing, but is, is part of a broader agenda. Um, and also because it's so difficult, if not impossible, uh, for people to square the circle between, between being pro-life, you know, and in favor of not having IVF or having IVF. Like, which, which is it? That's a very difficult one to well, reconcile. I, I think, I look, it's a, it, this is an entirely tricky area and you've got to respect the fact people, Genuinely, unlike a lot of political issues, uh, this is one where people have more have have moral convictions and religious traditions that substantially differ. The challenge is in a in a pluralistic society, in a society like America, where we've got many different religions, um, independent of what the, some of the theocrats on the right want to want to want to want to want to argue. Um, we've got a respect for many religions. And these are these are these are complex ethical questions. I just think what's what what I think people are reacting to the reason why the Democrats have been so successful at weaponizing this issue as a way to uh, engage their female and, and the male base of voters who feel very strongly that choice should be largely left to to families is that the majority of people disagree with how far the party has gone. But what's interesting to me is. They, uh, this, the particular issue of IVF, because it's so complicated, because you're talking about, you know, people who are going through cancer, who become infertile, preserving their ability to have families, um, helping those families that want to have kids. We don't have a replacement rate of population in the U.S. Our, our, our actual ability to, um, support, uh, the population at a mean, at a reasonable ratio, or the, the birth rates have actually been going down. And so this could run the risk of damaging it even further. But I also think this is very personal, even for 
conservatives, even for folks with with uh, conservative uh, religious traditions, many of those really want to preserve this. And the, the challenge is when you have an absolute standard legally and a complex standard medically. How do you how do you interpret that? Um, and I think that's the this is one where I think um, uh, I think it will continue to be a challenge. And what what I feel most for are these families that are you know potentially medically compromised, and this just is going to make their challenge of may having a baby even 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 harder. Well, let's talk maybe on a pragmatic basis. This has nothing to do with uh, really religion or with politics about a cancer patient. We've mentioned that a couple of times. So, you know, what happens when someone has cancer used to be you just focus on like how to survive. Now, what's happened is, first of all, we seem to have this um, trend of younger people getting cancer. So people who maybe haven't had uh, children yet and both cancer itself and cancer treatments can impact fertility. So you talk about chemotherapy, you know, which is toxic and goes after fast dividing cells, which are cancer cells, but also reproductive uh, radiation, which of course is dangerous, and then surgery, which actually you know may remove certain uh, organs that would uh, not enable you to to have kids, both on the for men and for women, and so that can impact fertility or hasten menopause. And so the you know the typical advice now is to say, hey, you'd like you know we've got we have approaches that can treat, put this in remission, and we got to move along with that quickly. Typically, right, John, you're not waiting for that. But let's actually do something to store, you know, eggs or sperm or embryos in order to give you an opportunity. Now, this isn't just a pragmatic thing. It's also when you're considering about like, you know, you're facing a cancer diagnosis and you're about to go through this treatment, you know, to then to have something possibly to look forward to as, as opposed to saying, well, even if I do survive this, you know, I'm not going to be able to have a family. You know, that's that's going to be pretty devastating. So this these kind of theoretical things and things that look nice on a slogan like a you know, fetal personhood and so on comes to when you have people that are, I won't say real people, but people in the world walking around who are adults making decisions, it has this, a big impact on on people. And it doesn't seem as though, uh, you know, the somebody in a, in a court, in the state uh, should be able to make that much of a dramatic change to yeah, somebody. Again, we, we, we're, we're in a very different world. I mean, in the last 10, 15 years, you've seen um, cancer rates increase for people under 50. You've got, you know, all instances of cancer, but early onset breast cancer is up 8%. Early onset GI cancer is up 15%. And the, and the, and the, the, the protocols we have to take care of those folks, um, many of whom are of childbearing age includes, to your point, um, the uh, therapies that kill the ability that, that either, either through early onset menopause, or just through the toxic effects, you do sort of eliminate or substantially eliminate the ability to have kids. The IVF was a game changer for them. And, and now to take that away, make it more problematic, make it more medically challenging and potentially risky. I just, it just, it just, it just seems unfair. I think this is going to be a tricky one, David, because I think that the, there is going to be some really interesting federal state back and forth because even though certain folks feel it, that there are absolute needs to be absolute rights and eliminations and clarity on this, uh, the 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 reality of, of of the complexity of the of the of the medicine and the medical outcomes here are going to be a challenge, and and you see that in the majority. Even though the 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 Republican Party, one party has been very consistent 
in pushing for personhood and protections for um, uh, what, what they consider all forms of life, uh, even their supporters are are very mixed on whether the solutions match the problem. I mean, it's it's a um, I think unfortunately this is one where the simplicity of legal doesn't 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 do a very good job with the complexity of healthcare. John, I think in maybe to finish up here, you know, in the near term, I do believe we're going to see more rulings that are like this. There's 14 other states that have uh, fetal personhood bills in one form wow. or another. Uh, yeah, that are that are either you know that are that have been introduced and you know some getting ready for enactment. There'll be other state courts uh, that are like this, and I think that'll have the impact on the on the campaign uh, here in 2024. Uh, I think longer term there'll be a, you know, there'll be a shift back, uh, probably, um, with more moderation. And depending on you know how this personhood thing works out, if depending if the if the you know frozen embryos are allowed to register to vote and to vote, then their opinions may eventually uh, come to the fore as well when they turn eighteen. I mean, it's it's um, it's. It's and then you're seeing now potential prosecutions of people helping people travel. This, the, I think you're absolutely right. This is this is one where um, you, we're, we're we're not going to we're, we're not we are just at the beginning innings of this debate and the politics around this. Uh, and I think you know our job is to help people understand what the healthcare consequences and implications are. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out across the country. It's fair to decide, John. And I said that was the last question. It was, it is, but you know, your point you're just making about restrictions on travel and so on, about you know, keeping somebody within one state versus another. Uh, you know, overturning Roe versus Wade has incredibly broad implications, uh, and not just for uh, abortion. In any case, that's it for yet another episode of Care Talk. We've been talking about the recent Supreme Court ruling in Alabama and the implications on IVF and beyond. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the president of Walgreens Health. Hopefully, we've helped you understand some of the implications of this complex issue. But if you like what you heard or you didn't, we'd love you to subscribe on your favorite service. Thanks for listening.